Welcome back into Behind the Bench with Carter Eckel. This is episode 32. I'm your host, Carter E., joined as always by my producer, Jeff Mulvihill, behind the uh, the new soundboard, if you will. It's similar, but uh, I guess new still, nonetheless. Hopefully it doesn't sound worse. No, but we do have some... Uh, some new features we might mess around with it here at some point um, in case we ever want to do an anonymous interview with the super deep voice. Anyways, uh, welcome into episode 32. This is our Dayton and Sierra Lutheran year in review. Um, this is coming out on July 27th. We taped it a little earlier due to uh, some vacation planning, but nonetheless got a solid one here for you. We're going to start with uh, Dayton and then go into Sierra Lutheran so I don't confuse anybody by who's with which program and so on and so forth. Um, as I mentioned last week, Dayton in your class 3A, uh, uh, pretty much across the board, Saw had some had some solid solid performances this year. Um, you know, obviously the baseball team, as we talked about not too long ago, made it to the state tournament, kind of a Cinderella run. Uh, they made it, went in as the six seed. Uh, I'll get to a little bit more of that here in a moment. Going to start in the fall. Dayton football finished the year one and seven. Ended the year with a 32-28 win over Hug in the final week of the season to pick up that one win, second year in a row where they. Uh, pick up a win to close out the season in the fall. So Dayton football turning around for 2022-23. I guess it'll just be 2022. We won't have hit 23 just yet under, I believe, third-year head coach Terrence Spann, um, who took over in, I believe, the pandemic. So uh, the Dust Devils will be back in action this fall there. Uh, over to the cross-country side, a uh, few – Notable performances here. Whitney Winward for the girls was seventh at the 3A regional meet and ended up at 16th at the state meet uh, this past fall. Uh, Allison Hoffman and Aspen Evans also had some decent finishes at the regional meet as well. On the boys' side, a ton of finishers right inside that top 40 range, so between 30 and 40. Uh, the Duff Devils had Brendan Larkin, Samuel Matthews, uh, Luke Buchanan, Caleb Coleman, and Reese Evans all right around that mark there. So some noteworthy performances from the Dust Devils on the cross-country side of things. Soccer, they will be having two new head coaches coming in this fall. Uh, Luis Melgarejo on the boys uh, stepped down after this past year, and uh, the girls coach also stepped down. I believe it is uh, Miklik was the last, last name there. Um, he had a senior on the team in Zolette Miklik, who finished the year with three goals and seven assists for the girls team. They were led by freshman Macy Lieb, though, who had eight goals. So the Dust Devils have some some talent coming back next year uh, for the new head coach. The boys team went 0-16-1. I know they've had some some better seasons recently, but uh, Mel Garejo said it was just time to kind of kind of step away and spend some time with his family. Um, I believe that Facebook group is still pretty active. I know they're getting people out and about for, for soccer practice there. Uh, I guess Jeff, to kind of put you on the spot here, um, for kind of area soccer expectations coming in the fall, is there anything you'd like to see as a, as a soccer brain yourself? Is there any formations you think that are, uh, are a fun twist or is there any, any, I guess, uh, Anything that you you don't see teams doing that you think might be worth incorporating or anything in in that realm of things? Probably not specific to that. I do have a little bit of a selfish desire for the Dayton team because I have at least four girls that might be on the team this year coming from my team. So I'm 
I'm excited to see that they make the team and and uh, how well they progress over the next couple of years because uh, it's just nice to see them succeed and a good group of girls. Uh, same thing with Carson. I got a couple of girls going there as well, and including my own daughter. So <laughs> um, I, I, I think probably the, we were talking about this in the car the other day about – you know, as as we're driving by different high schools, and I'm I'm kind of giving my daughter some notes of you know we went we were up by uh, Galena the other day, and I you know they've got a grass field, and Carson does have a grass field, but they don't play on it, they don't play games on it. And I was explaining the bus situation mm-hmm. in Reno and and that kind of thing. I, I wish we could get soccer on grass. That's my one, I think, one desire. We've been practicing on the turf over here, and it's fine, but it's not grass. And, yeah, and and you know we've got the World Cup, the twenty twenty six World Cup coming up, and the list of all these countries, or not countries, but uh, destinations that have been given World Cup draws, and the ones that have turf fields, they're they're making them grass fields for the World Cup. Uh, otherwise, they don't get it. So um, I, I believe that that would be my one desire. And I I will go down in, you know, flames for that because it's never going to happen. Um, because no, we don't. It's just maintenance. I imagine it's a lot of maintenance that people just don't have time for, and water bills that. And but a lot of teams practice on grass and play on turf. Um, Douglas does. Carson does. You know, Minogue has grass field. Uh, Galena has grass field. So it's. I'd like to see the game get back to grass. Yeah, and those. Uh, speaking of the World Cup, those sites were recently announced. I know it's a, it's kind of a three-way split between Canada, the U.S., and Mexico for for those games, and we won't tangent too far off into summer that we'll road. That summer. Yeah, yeah, we will we will get to that. But uh, some fun sites there for sure, especially if you don't mind making a little bit of a trek out to the Bay Area. It would be. I mean, I don't know what the ticket prices Stadium. cost, but <laughs> I'm sure they're a pretty penny. Anyways, moving on on the uh, Dayton year in review here. The volleyball team went 13-14 and 14 overall, 7-4 and four in league play. They were led by Riley Glenn with 163 kills, as well as Kimberlin Kobach with 256 digs. I believe Kobach was a senior this past year, so she will not be returning for the Dust Devils there. But think that pretty much wraps it up for uh, Dayton as far as the fall goes on to, to basketball where the boys teams went the boys team went eight and ten excuse me the girls went four and 14 apologies I can only run with stats I have here so uh, if you don't hear hear stats for your teams that's because they're not a max preps which is my main main resource here once again if you would like to reach out with any information cekl at nevadaappeal.com or you can send those stats to sports at NevadaAppeal.com there. Like I said, boys team went 8-10. and 10, Gave Carson a little scare to start the uh, early on in the year. Um, ended up falling by, I think, around 8 or so, but definitely had them uh, on their, on their for heels sure. for the first three quarters. Yeah, Isaiah Powell was a big reason they were able to do what they did to Carson. He finished the year with 15.5 points per game, 7.5 rebounds per game, and 3.2 assists per game. So, Pretty solid stat line there. However, he's a senior, so he will not be back next year. They do return their second leading scorer in Jacob Moore. He was a junior this past year, 12.4 points per game and four and a half rebounds per game. Like I said, the girls team wrapped up the year with a four and 14 record uh, on the season. 
Dayton Wrestling had a pretty nice year. Had a, several kids in with some solid results in the regional tournament. Nobody made it on to state there, but uh, still a solid year for Dayton Wrestling, which was really kind of fine in its own from talking to head coach Brian Parsons. I know we had some sounders on from him on the podcast uh, in, in winter. Um, some of those earlier episodes, which you can always go back and find um, through iTunes, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, or through our website, preferably if you happen to be on there. Um, but a wrestling team that has, like I said, kind of come into its own, and I know they had a lot more, lot more people out for the team this year, and we're just getting some some solid results. Obviously, I'm sure they would have loved to have, uh, you know, several qualifiers make it to the state tournament, but. Uh, you got to build where you can, you got to find a starting point at least to, to build upon. And it sounds like the dust devil wrestling program definitely did that um, with some solid performances on the year over to the baseball side of things. Like I said, as we talked to not talked about not too long ago, Dayton baseball snuck their way into the state tournament, had four or five teams, excuse me, four or five players make the class three, a uh, North all league teams as well. Uh, led by, of course, uh, Robbie Harrison, who I believe had like a 528 batting average uh, and drove in quite a few runs for the Dust Devils there. They finished the year 15 and 19, but making the state tournament was the highlight of the season. And you could tell that all those all those kids were were extremely uh, excited to have that opportunity. Went 0-2 at the state tournament, but I think just getting there was was a huge accomplishment, especially having to beat the number one and number two teams in the Class 3A North in order to get there. Um, and that's doing it all through the consolation bracket as well. And as we discussed, once you fall into that consolation bracket, you your road gets a heck of a lot tougher. It's hard way to get back. <laughs> and especially... Uh, pitching wise, we saw that for we saw that. You I mean you see that at every level, but we saw that especially in, in Class Five A this year. Um, but Dayton found a way to, to make it, and good for them. That'll be a that'll be. A, I mean, that'll be a year they all remember for a long time, especially from getting a chance to talk to some of those kids uh, before they went out to the state tournament where they thought they were going to make it last year, and it didn't quite come together. And this year, you make it as six seed and. Welcome to sports. Anything can happen, and that uh, that was how they wrapped up their softball. Went four and nineteen uh, for the Dust Devils. However, highlighted by Cheyenne Clayson, who in twelve games had a seven nineteen batting average, which is absurd. Wow, that is rather impressive. There, that's, so. flip, that's flipping the flipping the narrative right there. You know, I was gonna say you're supposed to get hits three out of ten yeah. times as good. How about seven out of ten? So that's going to wrap up our Dayton year in review. Shout out to all the uh, solid athletes for the Dust Devil program. Looking forward to seeing more of you guys here in uh, the fall of 2022. I know we're a little little ways off, but obviously those fall sports, before you know it, are right back in the swing of things. We will switch over to Sierra Lutheran year in review here. They kind of play on the 1A, 2A split, depending on the sport. Football team went 4-3, and three, bounced out of the playoffs, but still a winning record nonetheless. Went 1-3 and three in league play, but 4-3 and three record overall in eight-man football. Jeff, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to get out and watch 8-on-8 uh, eight eight football, but it is uh, something else. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't seen football. Rugby, yes. Okay. Rugby sevens. Yeah, I'm I've, sure it's similar. Fast, I, lots of ball movement. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not a lot of not a lot of defense mostly because the field's more open. You got 
three less players on each side, a lot more space to work with, and typically a lot higher scoring, which uh, makes it fun. Lots of lots of shootouts. Obviously, I can appreciate defense as much as anybody, but eight on eight, it's not really what you're what you're going for. Running gun show. <laughs> Over to volleyball, where the uh, Falcons won their playoff opener after going ten and nine in the regular season. Uh, they fell in straight sets to number one Smith Valley, who went on to state. So nothing to uh, be too shy about there. That's a pretty solid season for the Falcon volleyball team. Girls golf shot a 652 at uh, the 2A regionals there. Uh, the NIAA had them qualifying for state as a team, but I could not find any stats on uh, that final state tournament. So my apologies there. Couldn't find my old story either, which is a little strange, but Boys golf, Brock Walters ran away with the 2A individual title. He finished with a 142 at the state tournament, winning the individual class 2A state title on the boys' side. Won by 11 strokes. Wow. Just dominated the field, and I believe he's only a sophomore. So he got a couple more years of Brock Walters probably making a name for himself in the 2A boys' golf scene. 11 strokes is impressive. Yeah, that's significant. That's only over two days, too. So that's, you know, five, six strokes a day is wow. uh, is pretty pretty solid there. So uh, congrats to Brock again for making that. Obviously, boys golf being a spring sport, but wanted to get that in while we were talking about uh, golf. I know I've been kind of going calendar list, but hit the golf there. On the basketball side, the boys went 10 and 12, uh, no state run for them this year. I know they were there not too long ago. Uh, sophomore Marcus Jones led the way 13.8 points per game, three rebounds per game and two steals per game. So Sierra Lutheran's got at least their, their leading score coming back, uh, for another two seasons. The girls team had a solid year, went 12 and eight, picked up a postseason win. Uh, they will lose their leading scorer though. in Ava Mellum, who was a senior this past year, she averaged 12, six and two steals per game there. And uh, last but not least, as we alluded to a little bit a second ago, the Sierra Lutheran baseball team went 11 and nine and made the regional tournament there. Junior Charles Gagan led the way with a 568 batting average and 11 RBI. So he'll be back next year. Sophomore Paul Mueller had a 556 batting average as well. Quite a lot of talent coming back next year um, for that Falcon baseball team. Almost forgot, got to hit on state track where I think this is probably the one of the uh, several highlights or highest biggest highlights most prominent highlights of uh, the Sierra Lutheran team where the girls earn academic state champions and the boys were quite successful as well. 17 trips to the podium between the two teams. Uh, Flynn Scheibe won the Class 1A 400-meter title in 52-43. Says he's not much of a 400 runner, really prefers the sprinting side of things, but... Uh, I tell you what, 400 will get you all the sprinting you can ask for. No kidding. <laughs> he was third in the 100 and second in the 200 for the Falcons there. The uh, Sierra Lutheran girls, 4x4, four four, uh, topped the field with a 443.03, which uh, broke the uh, group's personal record by more than six seconds. So if there was ever a time to shatter your PR, it is at the state tournament. A completely different foursome in the 4 by 2 took second place in 205.99. Uh, Riley McHenry 
was in the four by one with the rest of the group that had a 59-14. McHenry was also a bronze medal winner in the 300 hurdles with a new PR of 53-43. I believe I spoke about her quite a bit a couple weeks ago, but Sage Gregory had a very nice state tournament as well. She was third in the 800 and then second in both the 1600 and 3200, which uh, is impressive. I mean, not that any of these are less impressive, but to be able to run three distance events in two days um, and uh, have so many successful finishes across the board there is uh, nothing to take too lightly. There are quite a few other results um, for the Falcons track and field team. Like I said, Josh Fox uh, was third in the 3,200 and second in the 1,600. Fellow freshman Chandler Ricks was also fourth in the 3,200, so two top five finishes for the Falcons there as well as uh, the boys four by eight team took fourth and the girls team also had third and fourth finishers in the pole vault as well. Overall, the girls team finished with 76 points, which was third best in class one, a two, a there um, only top two teams pick up a trophy, which is unfortunate. I thought it was, I was under the impression it was top three when I got there. However, top two teams earned, uh, trophies for their respective schools on the boys side they were fifth with 61 team points but young young track teams not a lot of seniors on either team and uh, definitely a lot to look forward to for that program going forward here into next spring plenty of work to be done in the offseason as well I know that was kind of the big focus for a lot of the the runners and uh, having those quality finishes to build off of was okay well Let's bring on next season. Let me start getting ready for uh, cross country and start running in the in the summer. Um, and boy, oh boy, it's funny. I uh, my former boss is actually a cross country and track and field coach at a junior college in Iowa, and he was telling me about how much those some of those times drop off when you're running at five thousand feet versus running at sea level. And uh, it's it's pretty impressive to see what some of the some of the athletes can do around here. I know we just kind of touched on three A and one A this year, but, or this episode, but boy, you start dropping 10 to 12 seconds off some of these longer times and start looking really appealing to some of those college coaches. So, uh, for those of you interested in, in running at all at the, the college level, don't, uh, don't sleep on, on that, that you, you know, running at close to 5,000 feet of elevation is, uh, not easy. <laughs> yeah, I ran into that with swimming. There's, there's, because the event here is, there's a big swim meet in uh, late summer and your times are actually adjusted because of the altitude. So they try to make it a similar to what you would get if you were swimming at, at sea level. And it's, it's, it's impressive. It's an interesting calculation too. I don't know that kind of math off the top of my head here, but um, I would be very curious to know the, the exact equation that that works out to be. Cause uh, I can't imagine it's, the simplest uh, I, I, and how they figured it out. I remember I, I grew up at 4,100 feet in Southern Oregon and everybody we played, this is soccer. Everybody we played lived closer to sea level. Mm-hmm. They all lived in, in the Willamette Valley of, of Oregon. So Medford, Ashland, Eugene, all those teams are not quite sea level, but pretty close. And we were at 4,100 feet. So if they came to us, 
they were having a hard time breathing. And if we went to them, it was walk off the bus, go play a game and get back on the bus and go home. <laughs> so it was like, you don't have an opportunity to adjust. So, cause we were only there for four hours to play and then back on the bus. So it was a big advantage. I can't say I played anything too competitively at a change in elevation. Obviously growing up in Bay area, it was sea level for sure. Um, I think the biggest adjustment for me was always trying to play in humidity versus yeah. not humidity. Um, I don't well, like. I think I played tennis with friends at elevation, but nothing like seriously competitive. On the ball, they they sell different balls here. They do sell different balls here. They had to use different balls for the Davis Cup in yeah. Reno uh, because uh, of the elevation and noted uh, star for USA Tennis Taylor Fritz. Not a fan of playing at elevation, yeah. which. I mean, you grow up in Southern California and you play all these tournaments in these beautiful places right on the water. I can understand why you don't really enjoy playing at 5,000 feet. But he does no convention. He has a massive forehand and a massive serve. And uh, if there's less air to stop the ball, I guess it's the difference between probably hitting the line and the ball being out. But... Uh, or you just start blasting the ball past people. He didn't have any problems at the Davis Cup. Uh, It was a pretty quick win for him regardless that's going to do it for episode 32 thanks for listening if you've stuck with us this far thanks again to today's title sponsor that is www.doublejautonv.com you can find them in gardnerville and thank you to my producer jeff mulvahill i'm your host carter echo once again if you got any suggestions for us or anything else you would like to hear us talk about feel free to email me at C-E-C-K-L at NevadaAppeal.com. You can also find us both on Twitter as well. Uh, I am at Carter Eckel, E-C-K-L, and you can find Jeff Mulvihill at InstaImage on Twitter as well. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys next week. (laughs) 